Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. Hey, everybody, it's our final hour here on a uh, Wednesday in the capital city. Ryan Van Bibber is our guest, SB Nation NFL. You've heard him on our program several times. Uh, It's always good when we get a chance to do some NFL conversation with him. He comes to us on the Draft House 50 Hotline Mills Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. Ryan, good afternoon, man. Hey, how are you? We're doing sensational. Let's start first, because I got questions, man. Let's start. For, let's start first with the guys that do not have a team, and I'm just. I want to pick your brain a little bit. Colin Kaepernick, Legarrette Blunt. There are a couple of others out there. Let's just start with those two. Why haven't those guys been picked up in your estimation? Well, I mean. Yeah, the, let's start with Blunt because I think that's fairly easy. I mean, he he and his team kind of, and the Patriots too, went back and forth a little bit. The Patriots wanted him back. They didn't want to pay the price to get him back, and they wanted him. Blunt's people wanted to be, and Blunt wanted to be back with the Patriots, but they just couldn't agree on a deal. And then the Patriots, you know, they uh, they went out and found another option. So uh, he became a free agent. I think there was some waiting period on that because people wanted to see teams wanted to see what happened in the draft because there were a lot of good running backs available. So, you know, if the giants were in a position where say, you know, Christian McCaffrey fell to them in the first round or something Mm -hmm. like that, you know, they could, they could, you know, that would negate the need to go out and sign Blount, but that didn't happen. So you have the giants in, in, in on Blount and, uh, uh, there was another team that had just reached out to him today. And I forget off the top of my head who that was, but it's, uh, Talks for Blount will pick up Kaepernick. I, I just don't know. I mean, I think there, you know the the team that was maybe the best fit for him, in my opinion, was probably the Houston Texans. That's obviously you know that's not going to happen. The owner is a big, uh, not a big fan of uh, Kaepernick's political stances, and I think that's probably a factor. Whether you agree or disagree, that's probably a factor uh, for a lot of teams in the league right now. Van Bibber, SB Nation, with us on the Draft House Fifty Hotline. Uh, Ryan, got to start with uh, the storyline certainly here and across really the league. The decision by the Bears to move up from the third spot to the second Oof. felt like they were fleeced by the 49ers, that spot. On top of it, <laughs> they take a quarterback that not many people were enamored with. The knocks against Trubisky were numerous. A guy hasn't taken a, a snap from center since sixth grade. That's not a good thing, especially when you <laughs> played in a place like Chicago your thoughts overall in this Bears organization, there's a lot of question marks surrounding Ryan Pace and company. Yeah, I mean, you know, even on the night of the draft, the first round of the draft Thursday night, there was kind of a preliminary report leaked out that, that this had not, that this was a move they didn't have to make, and you saw the cost of the move they made. I mean, obviously, the Bears are a team in sort of rebuilding mode, and they really needed those draft. I mean, those second-day draft picks, they're not as flashy as a first-rounder, but, you know, that's where you really kind of, you know, when you're a rebuilding team or any team, I mean, you know, that's where you, you, you thrive with those guys. Those become your starters. Those become your depth chart guys. I mean, you, those are essential picks to have. And they didn't even need to trade for the Trubisky, for Trubisky with the 49ers. They, and they, even the 49ers, you, know, you read Peter King's piece on Monday morning, I think the 49ers were just as confused by this as the rest of it. But, you know, they, they got a little something out of it. John, 
John Lynch certainly looks like he's off to a great start as a general manager because of that. Um, so it's not great. And then now you have reports that, you know, John Fox wasn't aware that this move was coming. They went out and spent big money on Mike Glennon. You know, the poor guy, they invite him to a draft party, and then they announce the Trubisky pick right there, and that's how he finds out about it. Amazing. So, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's not a good sign for where the organization's going. I mean, this is sort of a, I, I think Jeff Schwartz, the retired lineman who, who writes press over Nation, phrased it about as well as you could uh, on Twitter Thursday night, and he called him the Chicago Browns, and I think that fits. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. No respect. Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> no respect, no respect at all. Uh, Ryan, when, when, when that happens, we've, in the past, we saw the Raiders do some crazy things when Al Davis was still alive. But you just you just chronicled what took place here. They didn't even need to trade up. Is this Al Davis-ish with what the Bears did? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, you know, it's it's Al Davis. I mean, you know, Trubisky obviously didn't have the, the flashy 40 time that Al Davis was always so enamored with. Yes, but, you're right. You know, they really felt like, I mean... Trubisky probably was going to be the first quarterback off the board no matter what, Mr. Had Chicago trade or not. And even if Chicago had stayed at number three and picked somebody else, I, I think Trubisky still probably – there were talks that, you know, he could have been still, a, you know, they're the fifth or sixth spot with a team looking to trade down. So, you know, the Browns are one of the teams that were even talking about trading back up into the top ten to get Trubisky. But, you know, that was a, that option was off the table as soon as that happened. So – I think that uh, you know it was a uh, it was a panic move by the Bears. They know they need a quarterback. I mean, they know that Glennon is probably not a long term solution at quarterback. But uh, you know, again, I still think you know they're set up for a couple seasons with Glennon, at least one season. The way that contract structure, you could have just uh, you know you could have waited for number three and grabbed Trubisky, or even waited in the second round and maybe consider somebody like Davis Webb or somebody like that. You know, this is a situation where we, you watch the draft and you shake your head. And the head-shaking moment came when the Cincinnati Bengals drafted Joe Mixon out of Oklahoma. <laughs> and, look, I thought the kid would probably get drafted. I just didn't think that Cincinnati, with all the issues that they have had in the past, would be the team to take them. And now today, a scathing uh, article by a TV station in Cincinnati uh, just all over the Bengals and asking patrons to now not buy tickets to the Bengals game. This is coming from a local ABC affiliate TV station in Cincinnati. Don't show up at the game where buy tickets because, because of Joe Mixon. Um, I mean... He he's done everything that he possibly can do, correct? He's apologized. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's settled the issue with the female. Um, they both had joint statements. Uh, he can't do anything more, right? You know, I mean, this is one of those situations. It's it's just it's tough either way. I mean, it's you understand. I mean, people. People that do rotten, horrible things, and this certainly qualifies as that, you know, and, and what Mixon did and, and the fact that it was on videotape, and then you saw it that night of the draft on Friday night, ESPN played it again and played the video of it again. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, you know, I, I'm not surprised that a team drafted him. I'm not surprised that he's on a roster 
today. Uh, but, I, you know, I kind of figured he might slip and slip and slip a little bit further into the draft. And, and I think, quite frankly, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, the Bengals, it's even a tougher situation because they've not shown an ability over the years to sort of, uh, you know, work with players who have off-field issues. They've not shown – they've they've been probably a little more tolerant than other organizations, and maybe that's fine if you're talking about – you know, a 21 or 22 year old kid that gets in trouble with, uh, you know, drinking or, 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 or a little bit of marijuana, that sort of thing. But this is a pretty serious thing that, that Mixon did. This isn't, you know, you compare him to Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook was, you know, sort of, uh, he ran around with some, with some unsavory elements as a kid because that's where he grew up. And he had some accusations thrown at him that were never proven. And it was, uh, you know, this was, it's different than what Joe Mixon has, has done, right. you know, and he didn't sound, I think, I, I think it's worse because Mixon didn't sound remorseful. I mean, do the, do they talk to the, you know, do you talk to the victim's family? Do you talk to the victim in this when you, you, you bring a guy like this on the roster? I mean, where's the response? I mean, I struggle with this from a media perspective, to be honest with you. How do you judge this and how do you fairly and accurately cover this decision? But it's, it's a tough one. It really is. It, it kind of puts everybody in a spot that, that makes you feel uncomfortable. How much of it is just football? And, and we've seen this happen a lot of times throughout sports and, and how you cover this thing. And, and a guy like that, that, I mean, the other thing is we're not talking about an incident that happened, you know, during the off season. This happened years ago and he's gone through and he stayed at Oklahoma. He went through, sat out a year. Yeah. You know, he did a lot of different things. This isn't any kind of new accusation. And, and that's, that's what kind of leaves you shaking your head saying, if he's gone through everything, he's gone through all that, don't, doesn't he deserve the benefit of the doubt now since we're so far removed? Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you, you obviously you don't know what, you know, the Bengals said in, in interviews with the guy. You know, they right. teams meet, get to meet with players and they sit down with them, they bring him in for visits. And I'm not sure if the Bengals ever had him in for one of the pre-draft visits or not. But, you know, they spent time with him at the Combine. So, you know, they must have felt comfortable based on whatever it was they said. But, you know, Mixon's one of what a few guys at Oklahoma in the last few years that's had some off-field stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, plaguing him. I mean, there's sort of a, you know, when Oklahoma's sort of got a reputation for that lately, and I think that, uh, you know, it's something, I'm not a college football person, so but it's something that teams are going to have to consider going forward. Do these guys get the support they need? to really get through these problems, to get over, do they get counseling? Do they get punished fairly? Do they have to deal with these things? It's not a, you know, and this is a, it's just a difficult situation. I mean, you know, he's a, he was punished, he, you know, settled with the person that he punched and, mm-hmm. and he, you know, should get the chance to move on to some extent. Brian Van Bibber is our guest, SB Nation. We're talking the National Football League. Jimmy B and TC, the Big Talker, 1700. On the Draft House 50 hotline. Okay, let's go then to where we are as far as general managers getting fleeced. When there was so much talk about John Lynch stepping out of the broadcast booth and taking the GM's job, and how he was going to get played by other GMs, where in all actuality, he was the player and the Bears were the playee. How does that happen? A guy in his first job fleece somebody else? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, that's a, a tribute to him. And then, they, you know, you look at, you go back, Peter King's article I mentioned earlier, 
you know, he was in the draft room that night, and they got the they had Miles Garrett number one on their board. Obviously, Cleveland took him with the first pick, but they still managed to get you know they came back with their second pick and got Reuben Foster and Solomon Thomas with the third pick. So that was you know they got two of the top three guys on their board and added all those extra picks in the process. That's a <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I, I think you know part of the advantage is. You're a rookie general manager. The pressure's not on you quite as much. I mean, the 49ers know. Even even Jed Nor- York understands. The owner understands that. Hey, this team's a, a long way from contention. They got a long way to go. Right. And you see, you saw that reflected in that Shanahan and Lynch both signed those six-year contracts, which is sort of unprecedented for a new uh, a new hire in those in, in either the head coach or a GM job. So. They obviously have the backing of the organization there, and they uh, they can be a little more considerate in their first draft because they don't, you know, they're not drafting with the expectation that they got to go out and win twelve games this year. Pretty good spot to be when you have uh, that yeah. behind you and the Forty ers <laughs> uh, They they drafted well early on. A lot of people love the draft. Then they take a couple of guys from right here in Iowa including C.J. Beathard, where, I'll be honest, I watched this guy all throughout his college career, Ryan. It felt like a reach to me, but it sounds like Kyle Shanahan absolutely loves C.J. Beathard and sees a little Kirk Cousins in him. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, if you're the 49ers, you've got to, you know, you've obviously got to think about quarterbacks going forward. I mean, you know, the, the Kirk, you had the Kirk Cousins rumors this year, and, and you know, they're in a place where they can develop a guy they have. You know, you can send Brian Hoyer out there or even Matt Barkley and, and C.J. Beathard can kind of sit on the bench and, and learn this as the year goes by, and they can see what they've got there. And then, you know, then they can make a decision in 2008, hey, do we want to spend $25 million a year on Cousins, or is this maybe our chance to draft, a, you know, one of these guys coming into the draft in 2018, which is, you know, a, looks like right now is a fairly decent group of quarterbacks if they don't think Beathard's the guy that they can stick with. All right, let's go to Deshaun Watson. Mm. And – I was uh, shocked that he waited till Houston made the move to move up and grabbed him. With what you have seen of Watson and with what you know of what Houston likes to run, they have a terrific defense. They have some nice pieces on offense. Does Watson win that job and start as a rookie? Absolutely, I re- I love that pick. I mean, I think I think that that's a, you know, Houston was a team that was you know maybe a quarterback away. I've said it before. You go you go back and look at the AFC playoffs this last year. Nobody, the only team that really gave the Patriots any problems until the Super Bowl was a uh, was the Texans, and they did that largely because they had they had that defense. And now you get JJ Watt back this year, so the defense is obviously going to be, you know, theoretically should be a much better unit than it was last year. They have the parts on offense. They just never had a quarterback. And, and one of the knocks on Watson is that you know, his accuracy is not always the best. But when you have a guy like New Hopkins to throw the ball to, you don't have to be the most accurate quarterback in the league. I mean, New Hopkins can put up 1,300-yard seasons with all kinds of garbage quarterbacks. We've seen that time and time again, and now he's got a decent one coming in, above average one coming in with Watson, and you throw in that kind of you know, the stuff that they do with Lamar Miller and that offense. I mean, this is why I thought Kaepernick would have been a good fit right. going back to free agency because O'Brien runs an offense that really fits that style of play. Well, they didn't get Kaepernick, obviously, but they got Watson, and I think that, you know, they can run that offense, and it's it's going to be a tough one to stop if they do it right. 
Ryan Van Bibber joining us on the Draft House 50 Hotline, going inside the draft with Ryan. Uh, let's jump over across the state from you to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, maybe the running back of the future with Hunt in the third round, but the biggest headline, obviously, is what they did with Patrick Mahomes. For a team that has been a playoff team the last couple of years, did you like the move? I did like the move. I mean, you know, Alex Smith is is fine. He's He's been a decent quarterback for them. He's gotten them to the playoffs, and and, uh, you know, you can't argue with that, but he's just not a guy that's going to – he's not a guy that elevates your team. He's more of the guy that, like, doesn't screw it up kind of thing. So I, I, I thought this was a great move because they have this season with Alex Smith and they don't have to run Mahomes out there. He's coming from an air raid offense, which, as we know, doesn't translate, you know, well to the NFL, right, if you just kind of throw the guy out there. And so now he gets a season to kind of be the backup and learn, and, and, and he's with – you know, maybe the perfect coach for this and Andy Reid, but it's not just Andy Reid. You know, Chris Alt, the inventor of the pistol offense, the guy that was kind of, you know, worked with Kaepernick when he was so successful back with the 49ers and even going back to Kaepernick's days at, uh, at Nevada. You know, the guy that knows how to work with quarterbacks with these skill sets and the raw skills that Mahomes have, his arms, the best out of any quarterback in the draft, I think. And, you know, you, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's smart. He's just got to adjust to learning the pocket stuff and then and then taking snaps from under center, which you do in the NFL. So, I mean, I think this is a really smart move for the Chiefs. And Alex Smith's a $25 million cap hit next year. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably not a, a cap hit the Chiefs can afford to pay for average quarterback play from Smith because they'll have other needs they have to start taking care of. So, I mean, I think, I, I think this is a textbook way for how you draft and develop a quarterback. Ryan Van Bibber is our guest, SB Nation. We're talking NFL on the Draft House 50 hotline. Okay, take me then to Green Bay. And they didn't do anything fancy. That's not their style with <laughs> McCarthy and everybody else in charge up there. So how do you rate what the pack did? All right, everybody, welcome back. We roll till the uh, top of the hour. Final segment uh, today, don't all applaud at once. Jimmy B and TC, right here on the Big Talker 1700. Let's get into some of the uh, action tonight. And I know I know you, your little greasy finger is going to be uh, on the iPhone keyboard. You're going to be texting, making your selections for tonight's game. Of course. I know. Do you believe that... Are you leaning toward Houston again at San Antonio, or are you looking for the Spurs? They can't be that bad again, can they? Help me out here. Okay. How is Lamar Aldridge so average? I don't know, because he was a stud when he played at Portland. Right. Just I mean, a stud. That, that's been the baffling component of this team, and it? Looking through, yeah. how, how did this team win 61 games? I don't know. When I watch you, I am asking myself that same question. I mean, you go back to the series before against Memphis. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about games three and four, just how surprising it was that Memphis was able to do what they were able to do. I, I, I'm looking at it, and I'm just left kind of wondering, how did this happen? How, how did this team win 61 games? They look old. They... They just look out of it. I guess you got to give credit to Popovich again yes. of what he is able to do, but they look completely outmanned. Now, the likelihood of the Rockets hitting 22 three-pointers again tonight isn't high, but just because of the way they play, just the sheer volume of three-point shooting that they have mm-hmm. and the number of times that they chuck it up, I I give so much credit to D'Antoni and what he's been able to do and, and, and making this team 
an image where a lot of people didn't think he could win at this level. And and looking across, this is the only team that's going to have at least a shot against Golden State. Oh, I agree with you there. Just because they're they're gaming the system. Yeah. Yeah, they are with, with the way that they're yes. shooting three pointers. It is, it is incredible to see. And there's going to be games where they're hot and they're hitting, and and as Golden State's got to keep up with them. That's and, it. And they love to play at a fast pace and those kind of things. But San Antonio's not beating this team. Utah's not beating this team. Or are we just back to what we talked about when the season? Golden began? State, Cleveland. Wake, wake <laughs> me up when we get to to Golden State, Cleveland three. Wake me up in June, and I we'll talk about the NBA there it, because it's. I know, but the game, and we talked about it earlier today, but the game last night, Boston-Washington, was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it was good. It really was. Yeah. And, and a guy like Isaiah Thomas at that height, you know, he remind, and you, you may not remember this name. I know you do your research, but you weren't alive when he was playing, is Nate Tiny Archibald. Don't know, don't know Nate's game very well. Well, Nate's game was he was the leading scorer in the NBA and also the leading assist man in the NBA when he played in the league. And Tiny was, I think he was maybe 5'10", where Isaiah's more like about 5'8". Mm-hmm. But he's, he's so tremendous to watch. But going, and that, and that brings me right around to the Houston game with Harden. And I know you don't like his game. No. I know you don't like the way he jumps into people and falls and flops and does all of that stuff. But he is entertaining when you get into that realm. And Mike D'Antoni, a coach who was left for dead, and I really mean dead in the sense of never getting another head coaching job ever again because his system didn't work anymore. He gets to Houston, and he finds a guy in Harden who reminds him of two-time NBA MVP Steve Nash. Mm -hmm. And when Nash was in his prime, where Amari Stoudemire, they were the top team in the West. Now, they got beat by the Spurs when Nash got body-checked into the bench and couldn't play. Mm -hmm. It was one of the dirtiest plays of all time in the NBA. And he was out for the remainder of the series, couldn't play. And that pretty much cost Phoenix a chance to get to the NBA Finals. Harden shoots it better than Nash from the outside, behind the arc. Doesn't handle quite as well as Nash did, but he's he's efficient. And as we discussed Houston has 962 guys that come off the bench firing threes. Mm-hmm. No other team has that with the exception of Golden State. Well, they don't do it at the and, level. And that, that no, that, that Houston fires the three, correct. So, I mean, it's, I agree with you. I, I don't know how San Antonio can compete with this team. It is a bad matchup for them. And that's the way that I view this game tonight. Now, could San Antonio rebound? Of course they can and win on their home court. But I don't think they're going to win this series. No, I, no, I really I don't. Not, no. Yeah. No, I, I don't see them being able to uh, win the whole series against Houston unless they start to go incredibly, 
you know, they don't shoot, shoot it well, which certainly right. can happen. You go through a slump, and, sure. and that can happen. But uh, game one was certainly a wake-up call there. Uh, San Antonio is going to play better tonight. Oh, I they will. There's a, no yeah. doubt about that. And Houston's not going to shoot it as well. Uh, you know what the point spread is for the game tonight? I haven't I, even looked yet. I do not. Are you uh, examining as we discuss right here, right now? Yes. I know that I see your fingers flying dramatically fast on the iPhone. San Antonio favored by five and a half. Wow. Five and a half, which was the spread. Is that a one. taster for my for my partner? No, I don't think so. Probably a state. Well, I'll, I'll do a little something. but I know you will. I don't have a hard opinion yet quite okay. on that one. Need to do a little bit more. Toronto, Cleveland. Tonight. Yes. Any shot for the Raptors? No. No. <laughs> no? Just no. I think, no, not tonight. I think Toronto wins one at their building because they play much better at home. But you have to remember, Cleveland, an older team, Trent, they got eight days off. Eight days off. Do you imagine what that meant for those older bodies? I mean, those guys came out flying. And then after they blew them out, and I know they only on the uh, at the end of the game they only won by eleven, but they coasted the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, it was a blowout. Yeah, yeah, it was a blowout. So, do I think it'll be a blowout tonight? I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think Cleveland wins eight to ten again. Okay, okay. So, you, so you're going to lay the points with the Cavs? Yeah, tonight. I would. What, what's the Cavs line? Seven. Okay. I'm. Uh, I think I'm going to grab those points with oh, with uh, Toronto yeah, tonight. I think this is going to be a tight one tonight. I okay. think this will be the. Uh, I think we're going to get a couple of entertaining games. As terrible as it was two nights ago when yes. the four teams played, and as awful as the games were. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to get something a little bit better with that one. So I'm excited for it. The NBA, I'm, yeah. I'm getting into it. First round was, wasn't great. No. Hopefully we get something out of this. And, and but last night was Well, last awesome. night was sensational. Yeah. Boston, uh, Washington. Yeah. You know, the Wizards, they they outplayed them for most they of the did. game. They and did. That, but that happened in the first game, too. Well. They, they, out, they outplayed them. For the first six for, minutes. <laughs> It was 16 to nothing. Right. And then, and then Boston decided, hey, we better shoot the ball, which they started to do. And then they end up winning that game going away. And and what a stupid loss last night for the Wizards. It was. Uh, not just uh, the way they let it get away. They controlled the game so many times. Yes. Every time the Celtics would make a run, they had an answer. It seemed like one of those games. And, and how different would the conversation be for us today, Jimmy B, if... Wall just hits that shot at the end yeah. of regulation. Yes. You know, how, how different the conversation is. That's correct. And I was hoping he did because I was holding a Wizards ticket <laughs> plus five, and then I lose by ten in overtime. How stupid. What a dumb night. What a dumb night. I also had Golden State last night. They were favored by 13. They win by 12. 12, they were controlling yeah. the game. Yeah. Stupid bench guys at the end. Screw it up for me, too. NBA suck last night. Hated it because of that, that part of it. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm still... I'm still pretty tepid. Yeah, I, I know you. I want to get excited. Yeah, you know, the baseball last night uh, was fun. Watching the Twins hit bombs all over the place, six home runs. What, what was that shot that Sano hit? Was that straightaway center yeah, field? I saw a picture of where. Oh, it I mean, <laughs> he is oh, uh, Jimmy B. You've heard me now the last yeah, two I know. years yep. sing this guy's praises. Yeah, and what happened to him a year ago? And and he is the ultimate. Three things happen. He's either going to hit it a long ways, yeah. he's going to strike <laughs> out, or he's going to walk. Yeah, and I think that's a part that people even a year ago missed when he, you know, regressed a little bit and, and had some struggles. Is even though the batting average is never going to be great, mm-hmm. he has such a great batting eye. And 
he is much like Joe Wattmauer was a decade ago. When okay. that, that MVP season that he had, which was ridiculous. And I, I probably saw the year where he hit like 28 home runs, which was by far the most. I, I probably saw 25 of them that year uh-huh. watching live. And the funny thing was, so many of those were out to left center field and they make it a row or two in. You know, it, it wasn't he was hitting behemoth shots 420 down the line, you know, right. nothing like that. It was just scraping the wall. But he was so locked in that season, it, it was appointment television every time he came to the plate. And it's the same thing for Miguel Sano. You know, anymore, I can't sit down. I, got, uh, I don't got time to sit and watch a three-hour No, you do game. not. No, you're a busy guy. Yeah, a little one running around yep. just doesn't make it happen. But I do make it a point, all right, kind of bring up the phone, look, mm-hmm. all right, who's coming? All right, Sano's going to be batting yeah. this inning. I'm going to flip over to Fox Sports North. Right, and, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to watch sure this. Because yeah. It is so entertaining. Not just the power. Everybody loves to sit the, see the home run. Chicks dig the long yep, ball. Of course, of course. You know that, but the way that he understands the strike zone, the way that he's able to work counts, his understanding of the game. He is such an entertaining player to watch, and and that's what I saw early in his career. It wasn't just the power; it was his understanding of the game. And you know, Buxton's starting to play better. Mm-hmm. The pitching staff has been ridiculous, and. Our friend Mark Simon from ESPN Stats and Information right. uh, had an article about a week and a half ago. You were on vacation, so probably didn't see it. But he uh, probably hammered somewhere. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but he uh, he talked about how you know the Twins didn't go out and bring in a bunch of new pitchers. It's basically the same sure. crew that they had a year ago. But how they've become so much better, and, and the biggest thing is that they're pitching inside and, mm-hmm. and they're going in there. And that was something that. Falvey and Levine, when they came over the new front office of the Twins, something that they wanted to talk about. I mean, we saw what Falvey was able to do with the Indians. Now, they got a different kind of staff. They got some fireballers, Salazar, Carrasco, those kind of guys. Certainly can pump it up there in Kluber. We know those guys are more overpowering, but one thing that they worked with starting right away when he was with that organization is you have to pitch inside, and it's going to be uncomfortable at times, especially with the guys like the Twins have. You know, they don't have... Guys that are pumping it up there, 95. They have guys that are 89, 90, 91. Yes. But even with that, you still have to take that inside portion of the plate. you got to get guys off the plate. And they've been able to be very effective of that. Last night, Irvin Santana picks up his fifth win. He is uh, the first pitcher in since Walter Johnson. Wow. To uh, start off for the Twins with six starts to begin the year and give up Walter one earned runner. Walter Johnson, yeah, wow. I mean, and, of course, they weren't the Twins. They were, they were the, the Washington Senators. The Senators. But uh, that, that's what he has been able to do. He's uh, right now the front runner for the Cy Young in the American League, Irvin Santana. That's amazing. You know, a guy that's been a career a solid pitcher, Yeah, but that's about it. And he's gone to a completely different level. Uh, it's been fun to watch. That they're, That's all I asked for. I know. All just, I asked for it just entertained here. me. Just, just keep, me, yeah. keep me entertained. Get me to the summer. <laughs> and uh, we'll see where the chips fell. They did it two years ago. They and, did. And they're on track once again. Yeah. And, and the good news is, the Indians, as good as they looked the first week of the season, mm-hmm. you know they've tailed back a little bit. They're uh, they're not playing at the level a lot of people thought. Where not yet. people had them ninety five, one hundred wins. Right. It doesn't look like, at least at this point, that's going to be the case. They're still the front runner in that division. They are. They're still the favorite, but it's fun. The White Sox have been good. Yeah. The Brewers have been good. Yeah. We got a good, lot of good Midwest right. stories are going around around here. We know the Cubs and Cardinals are always going to be there. Really, I guess the the only negative of our Midwest teams has been the Royals. I know. And after uh, two nights ago, they bounce out and finally score some runs. Again, last night, it's back to the same old, same old. You know, that's tragic because I think a lot of people expected KC to rebound. You did. I did. And 
I I just can't see it. No, I just can't see it. So they have a big decision on their hands. They then. they do. You know, of yep. those veterans that are getting older from Lorenzo Cain, yeah, Hosmer, Mustakis. What do you do? All of those guys. Is it time to go through another rebuild? We know Kansas City. It's a small market team. Yeah, and financially they can't compete. So when you get to a level that they're at right now, where they're struggling at that way, you're kind of left wondering and thinking, all right. What are we going to do? Is it time to sell off these pieces, sell off the veterans, and rebuild once again and then make another run in four or five years like they did over two and three Mm, years ago? mm -hmm. It's looking like that because offensively, boy, that team is bad. Yeah, they are. They are. It it is absolutely crazy. They have scored this year 69 runs. 69. they got to be the least run-producing team in baseball. Oh, it's not even close. That's what I thought. Uh, Everybody... In the National League, short of the Giants, have scored over 100. Yeah. The Giants are at 96. Okay. Remember, they're at 69. Yeah. There's one other American League team that has scored this year less than 100 runs. Uh, as I scroll back through here, it's the A's. They have scored 92. Okay. So even the A's, yes. the second worst team, yes. has still outscored them by 33 runs this season. That's incredible. We're 20 some games into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. 25 games in, and you're being outscored by more than a run a game. For the second worst team, in I got you in scoring. That offense is awful, um, and, and it's crazy because you got yeah. names in there. You expect that they oh, sure. to put up some runs, yeah, and it, and it hasn't. I, I agree with you. Uh, before we get out of here today, uh, the hockey game tonight, and I think it'll have some interest. Will you sample just to take a peek at Washington and Pittsburgh with no Sid the Kid, no Sidney Crosby out with a concussion, just to see how this game begins and see if it's a roughhouse type game to start with, trying to get some retribution. Yeah, I mean, you, you expect that, right? I would, th- I would say so. Yeah. However, you have to cautious, uh, caution because this is the second round of the playoffs, and neither team wants to take a five minute major for a major fight or get a misconduct, which is did what happened on the Crosby hit. Mm-hmm. Yet Washington was still able to win in overtime two nights ago. And I'll be watching because I got the Capitals to win the series. <laughs> and they got down 2 nothing. I figured I'd take a shot at that one. Yeah, so, yeah I'm rooting for the Caps, absolutely, okay. tonight. Danger's not going to be happy no, about danger, that. No, Danger's he's a hardcore Penguin fan. fan. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be pleased about that. He and I'll, I had I'll a great, an eye on it. He and I had a great argument in the hallway. It's a good thing it wasn't on air. Oh, yeah. Because we would have had to hit the butt, dump button about ten times. Oh, really? Yes. So, and it was, words, it, huh? it was over the hit. Yeah? Yeah. And, of course, him being a Penguin fan. And didn't quite see it as a a hit that could have been that that, that wasn't totally intentional. Gotcha. He just thought he was aiming for his head the entire time, and that really isn't the case. But because the NHL did not take any action mm-hmm. against the player, right? The player did get the five minute major and a misconduct, and was tossed from the game. Washington still won. So I, I'm going to sample that tonight. So your rock star satellite, uh, you're yes. watching the TV tonight, you're going to have hockey. Is that number one or is it NBA number one? Uh, what gets the what well, gets the, the NBA, top bill? The NBA begins first. Yes. So I six will and six. So, yeah. So I will start there. Okay. But I'm definitely not going to miss the beginning of the Capitals and the Penguins game. So that one has you the most. Excited. I think so. That's... Just just to see if something takes place early in that game. 
For me tonight, I'm going to rank it. Well, the Twins will get top billing for me. I understand. Yeah, just because they're playing well. and well, and got to take it when I get it. You're, you're fa- <laughs> you're, and your fandom. Okay. Uh, NBA would be second. Like yeah. I said, I think the Raptors got a good shot here. Okay. So I'm going to uh, gonna keep an eye on that one. Hockey will probably get a, a cursory glance. Okay. In fact, I might end up watching more late night, especially if the Rocket Spurs gets away. Yeah, and it could. But uh, that's kind of how I'll rank it. I'll keep an eye on the Cubs tonight against the Phillies. Watch that one. Hellickson last night, boy, he got pounded. He did. By oh, the Cubs. Man. When, After Chris, the, a great Chris start. Bryant, yeah, he did. And then Chris Bryant unloaded on him. So I'll watch that. Got the Brewers and Cardinals. I want to see Wainwright tonight, too. Okay. Wainwright, he has really struggled. Yeah. And, you know, Carlos Martinez himself last night Mm -hmm. uh, finally got his first win of the year. He cut the dreads off and and went back with the old school uh, style of hair and, you know, baseball players, you know. Uh, So superstitious. They'll wear the same jock strap 20 times in a row if they're on a hit streak. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, I want to see Wainwright, though, see how he pitches tonight against that good Milwaukee team. The Brewers have been a lot of fun. Chase Anderson's been pretty solid. Sure. Uh, he gets a start for the Brewers tonight. So I'll watch a little of that. Probably not much White Sox-Royals. That's that's down the list here locally of uh, things I'll be keeping an eye on. But it's Twins first, okay. NBA second, Cubs third, Cardinals Brewers fourth, then the hockey. Then the hockey? Me. Okay, yeah. you'll peek in on that. Before, but just a peek. Before we go, and, and we talked a lot about this during the course of the show, but just to recap before we leave, mm-hmm. and you and I had this discussion yesterday about Fred Hoiberg and the Chicago Bulls and how they were going to have their uh, end-of-the-season news press conference. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it didn't surprise anybody. Fred Hoiberg is back for next year. That has been confirmed. You and I have talked about that, that he wasn't going anywhere. Right, right. So... I I don't know what the big thing was about that. The one thing that I will be curiously interested in will be what the Bulls do now in the off season. Yeah, you know, D Wade, he's going to pick up his player option. Yeah, gonna, yeah. How can you? You can't turn down twenty five mil. <laughs> no, of course. Come not. on. But you know, D Wade, he is a well respected guy he in is. the league. Yes, he is. You know, can he get another veteran to come in there? Yeah. Can is there a young guy that they can go after? You've you talked about J.J. Redick. Uh, you've yep. also talked about Jimmer, but a, a real basketball player is J.J. J. J. Redick. That isn't a buffoon on the defensive end <laughs> like your boy Jimmer. Uh, you know, a guy like that that certainly would help shoot, cure some of the shooting woes that sure. they have. Uh, what he can do. You know, what, what kind of connections he has. People that want to play with Jimmy Butler. There are people out there. They can retool this thing. And and still be competitive still next be competitive. year. Yeah. yeah, the East still isn't a behemoth. The Milwaukee's getting better. They're going to be there. The teams that are all right now in the conference semifinals, right. they're all going to be they're there. Good. But you know, with the right pieces, with the right mix, I, mm-hmm. I really think. And, and the positive things that we've heard as a coach, people said about Hoiberg, the yeah. improvements that he has made, that that team can make a run at fifty wins and be a top four seed in the East and get home court in the first round and and kind of see where it goes from there. I, what about D Wade though? Is it just is it just done for him? I think I, he woke up one day and he got old. The, and, and the that's, athletic and that's ability it, has yeah. been sapped. But yes, can, can you get that guy I, in the I gym think, and say, "Hey, you got to figure out how to shoot. You have to reinvent you can't, yourself." Yeah, I don't think you can teach the old dog new tricks. Yeah. He's not going to ever be a three point scorer. No, no, but but he's got to at least ha- be adequate there. Yes, but I think I think his value will be, and you touched on it briefly will be his leadership uh, on the bench and bench and coming off the bench. I don't think he's going to be a starter next year, 
I think that he he will be relegated to bench play, spot starting, and I, I think that he would be invaluable. Look, you signed him to that contract, and everybody's got ah, $25 million. Look, a lot of players are making huge dollars that aren't great players mm-hmm. because of the way now the TV contracts are and the amount of money that teams get and where the salary cap is. And Dwayne Wade hit it at just the right time. Yeah. And so he's got one more year at $25 million, then he's done. I don't see him walking away. Yeah, uh, look, I'm sure he doesn't need the money. He's a smart guy. I'm sure he's invested well. But you can't walk away from $25 million. <laughs> You can't. It's tough to say that. It's oh, tough man. to say I'd no. walk away from 10 bucks. Well, you wouldn't even no, do that. No, I probably wouldn't you do wouldn't that either. Do that. No, no. no. Well, out of time for today, Jimmy B and TC here with you on the Big Talker 1700. We got CBS Sports Radio coming up around the corner. I'll be down at MediaCom. You can check me out on TV this afternoon Ooh. with Marty and Miller. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Checking me out. Ken's out in Vegas. So. All right. So uh, a little more TV time for your good, boy TC. Good for you. Yeah. Makeup. Yeah. Makeup. I need a lot of that. Yeah. I need a lot of that. <laughs> we'll be back at it tomorrow at noon. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. If you missed any portion of the show, you can always check it out on the pad- podcast page over at 1700kbgg.com. Back at it tomorrow at noon. Have a good day, everybody.